Well, this morning we are uh, continuing on in our sermon series, Becoming Disciples, Following Jesus Through Matthew. And so as we get ready to jump into that this morning, uh, I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Loving God, we are uh, grateful for this chance to, to be together, to be with one another um, in this group that we call uh, our community. Uh, thank you, God, that uh, you're your presence, your spirit is here among us. And as we uh, turn now and uh, open the scriptures and wrestle with them together, um, we yield ourselves to your spirit and ask that your spirit would lead us, guide us, shape us, and form us more and more into the way of Jesus. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is a picture of my father and me. Not Pax, by the way. Uh, I was, I was uh, pretty caught off guard by that this, this past week. Um, my dad, uh, I, I know I've talked about him a lot, but my dad was, he was a complicated man. Um, for most of his life, he, um, he struggled with his mental health. And unfortunately for most of his life, uh, that struggling with his mental health went largely uh, untreated. And so... Uh, this often meant that particularly things like relationships were uh, really complicated for him, right? Um, because of the way that his, his mental health affected him meant that uh, he showed up rather unpredictably or inconsistent uh, to other people. And so, of course, like that makes things like relationships really, really complicated, right? My dad was a complicated man. He was also a really good man. Um, he had a profound love for God. And uh, the way that he lived that out was through um, uh, serving uh, the church as a pastor for a number of years. But more than that, it was like the particular group of people that he chose to love on really well. Um, these tended to be people who found themselves um, addicted to drugs and alcohol, and their lives sort of uh, turned upside down through that. And my dad just had a real way of like connecting with these people. Um, I think... It probably had a lot to do with his own sort of mental health and the, the, the difficulties that he faced through life because of that. And he knew what it was like to have this, this taste of like this transformational love of God and communicate that in a way that made sense to people that really needed that same sort of like transformational love of God in their life. But more than like his profound love for God, um, my dad also had a profound love for me. Um, like, frequently, my dad would, like, utter the phrase, like, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And more than just, like, saying it to myself, like, I often heard my dad say it to other people as well. That's not good. Um, and, uh, like, my dad would, would make sure to say this in, in, uh, in settings where, like, I could overhear him, whether it would be on the phone or directly to somebody. Uh, and I just remember hearing time and time again throughout my life, like, I love you, and I'm proud of you. My dad was a complicated man, but he was a good man. And I never had to question like where I stood with my dad. I never had to question the, the sort of like deep, profound love that my dad had for me. Certainly when I hear the word father, uh, it comes uh, with some complications, right? But like overwhelmingly, like the first thing that I, I think of are good and beautiful, loving aspects of my dad. And I'm really grateful for that because I recognize that not everybody has that, right? So the word father for me uh, carries with it really good connotations. Now, all throughout the uh, Gospels, 
when Jesus refers to God, the one that we could describe as like being itself, right? Or reality itself or truth itself. Uh, all throughout the gospels, when Jesus refers to this being, Jesus does so with this term, father, like almost exclusively. Like this is how Jesus talks about God is through this term, father. And I think there's something really compelling about this because when God, or when, when Jesus talks about, again, this, this being that is being itself, this reality that is reality itself, this truth that is truth itself, Jesus doesn't talk about this God in some sort of abstract, uh, far off, distant, removed sorts of language. This isn't some sort of being that hides behind a curtain and pulls all sorts of levers. But rather when Jesus talks about this one that we call God, Jesus speaks of him in these close, personal, intimate, familial, parental sorts of ways. And if that wasn't like scandalous enough, Jesus then turns and invites us to call this same sort of being our father as well. Now, one of the places where we see uh, Jesus inviting us to call God our Father uh, comes in the middle of Matthew chapter 6, which is like smack dab right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And like we, we mentioned last week, when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about like the pinnacle of all of Jesus's teachings. Like in many ways, this is the lens through which we should read all of scripture is through the Sermon on the Mount. Because when we read the Sermon on the Mount, what we're getting here is, as one author refers to it, as a, a beginner's guide to the kingdom of heaven. When we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we could describe it as like this intimate look into the life that God is inviting us into. And when I say us, I don't mean like you and me, like individually, but like in a room together, like that sort of togetherness. I mean like you and me, like in this whole new reality, this, this like corporate communal togetherness that like in this life with God, that something new is being formed called this community. That's what I talk about. When, that's what I'm talking about when I say that God is, uh, this life that God is inviting us into. It's a whole new reality way of understanding ourselves, not just as an individual, but together with the community around Jesus. And so the Sermon on the Mount begins with these beatitudes, these blessings that we looked at last week. After giving us these blessings, Jesus then turns and talks about these motivations and talks about our heart. And after that, then Jesus turns and he begins to talk about this thing called prayer, this communication with God. And the way that Jesus talks about prayer is as if it's some sort of like lifeline or lifeblood to this life that God is inviting us into. And so uh, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, after Jesus has said a few other things about prayer, he says, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Uh, this is what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer or uh, as other traditions refer to it, um, the Our Father Prayer. And here we have our invitation, right, with these opening lines of this prayer to, to begin to relate to God, to call God, to uh, have our disposition towards God shaped with this understanding of this phrase, our Father. Now, the fact that Jesus uses this term Father to describe God isn't necessarily unique. Uh, in Jesus' day, because Jesus was a good first century Jewish man, like, there would have been a number of Jewish prayers that began with this phrase, our Father. Um, so like, to call God Father wasn't necessarily something unique for Jesus. But what was unique with Jesus, I think, was like the frequency with which Jesus uses this term Father to describe God. Like, 
again, this is like Jesus' preferred term for God. Like almost exclusively, it seems like Jesus refers to God as Father. And I don't think that this was just like out of a long list of titles that he could have picked, that this was just like his favorite. Like I think Jesus is actually speaking to something bigger with, by using this term father. Like I think that he's pointing to something that's beyond just this term father and the, the bigger reality that we're being invited into. So again, when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about more than just like a personal ethic, like how I'm supposed to live as an individual, more than just like personal piety, but we're talking about like this corporate communal life that we together are being invited into. It's a collective sort of communal togetherness. And so it seems as though like what God is doing in Jesus is forming something new. Perhaps we could call this like a new community. Or perhaps we might even dare say that what this new thing is that God is forming is a new family. With God as our father and we together associating to God as our father. Now it seems as though like Jesus uh, leans into this idea uh, later on throughout Matthew's gospel. So in Matthew chapter 12, uh, we pick up and Jesus has like been doing his thing for a while now. Like, Jesus has been teaching, he's been healing, he's been, like, pushing all sorts of buttons along the way, and, like, the buzz about Jesus is starting to, like, grow. And so in Matthew chapter 12, uh, we're told, while he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Now, we don't know what they were wanting to say. Um, People have speculated on this, and again, given, like, all that Jesus has been doing, it could lead us to think that maybe they thought Jesus has gone off his rocker at this point, okay? And so uh, we could say that maybe like what they're wanting to do is have a, dare I say, a come to Jesus moment with Jesus himself, yeah? And so Jesus responds and we're told that, but to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Hmm. See, here it seems as though Jesus is inviting us to um, rethink or re-understand or redefine or reorient our understanding of family around this being that we have called God, but that Jesus has now invited us to call Father and to see ourselves as part of this new family. A quick pause here, because I've talked exclusively about God as Father here. And I know some of us have some difficulties with this language of God as Father. And there's a wide variety of reasons, but often it boils down to two sorts of things, right? Um, The first one being, like, you yourself have have some sort of difficult relationship with your Father. And because of how, like, word association works, you associate those difficulties with your earthly Father to our Heavenly Father when we refer to God as Father. Maybe your God, or maybe your your father was uh, absent from your life, or maybe worse, like your 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 father was like involved in your life, but like was really dysfunctional and made life really complicated. And so it's it's hard to like not associate all of that stuff, that baggage, with God as Father when we call God Father. But another reason why we often have difficulty with this is like because of like the male nature of Father, right? To call God Father is in some way to like assume that God is, is male, right? And then that assumes that like maleness is close to godliness, right? And then that like exiles a large swath of the population, right? And we have seen and continue to see the damaging effects of that sort of thinking, right? 
So these are often like the two uh, biggest difficulties that we have with God as Father. And while I can't clear all of that up in 90 seconds, I'm going to try my best. Um, so church tradition has always understood that God is bigger than gender. Like church tradition has always said like God is not male. God is not female, but God exists outside of that, beyond that, is bigger than all of that. And by the way, this isn't just church tradition. Like this is our scriptures themselves. In the very opening line of scripture, we read, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. This word wind comes from a Hebrew word that can be translated wind or breath or spirit. And in the Hebrew language, words ha- are either masculine or feminine. And this word that gets translated wind, breath, or spirit is feminine. Which seems to suggest right here in the beginning of our scripture that like we've already blown up this understanding that God is male, right? God is described with masculine and feminine language here already just completely destroying this and could lead us to the suggestion that when we talk about the spirit that she is a she. That's a whole nother conversation though, right? So why does Jesus then refer to God as father if like we understand God is beyond gender? I don't know, okay? That's the most honest uh, answer. But my, my hunch is that like, Jesus, in some ways, was limited by like, cultural understandings. I mean, think about today. If somebody stood up and started talking exclusively about God as mother, like, they would be written off today, right? Like, we, we would feel a little skeptical about them, have some sorts of questions about them. And like, we have a woman as vice president today. Come on, right? Like, 2,000 years ago, uh, like, in an even more male-dominated world, like, nobody would have listened to Jesus had he gotten up and started talking about God as mother. So I think some of it was like cultural limitations. But even given that, the way that Jesus talked about God as father would have subverted all of the understandings of like what it would have meant to be a father in that day. I mean, think about the story of the prodigal son. Uh, you have a son who takes his inheritance, uh, essentially slapping his father in the face, and then brings about all sorts of dishonor and disgrace, and then like sulks back home. And there we see a, a, a father who was like waiting for his son to return home. Not to like slap him upside the head and call him uh, foolish, but to like run down the driveway, embrace him, hug him, kiss him, shed tears, give him his best cloak, give him a ring, kill the fatted calf and celebrate that his son has come home. Like completely revolutionary or completely subverting all understandings of what it would have meant to be a father. And so um, we, if... Uh, if father is a word that gets in the way of you connecting with God in this sort of way, like, I think mother is an okay term, right? I don't think God is going to be upset with that. Because again, when we talk about God as father, it has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with relationship. God is inviting us into the new family, and this new family that we're being invited into uh, is now being redefined, reoriented, re-understood with God uh, as our father. Uh, so some implications of this, yeah. Um, so we, we might say that to pray our father is to recognize our place within the family of God. Um, some of us are a little more visual, so uh, this is a, what are these things called? A ge- genogram, is that right? Yeah, uh, it took me a while to find that this week because like, that's how far off I was. I couldn't even get close to it. So a, a little genogram here, right? So we have God as, as our parent here in this uh, picture. Uh, me, or you, you can read yourself into that, as God's child. But then we also have others who are also praying to God as Father, who now enter into the space of like being siblings here, right? 
some profound implications of this. First off, this means that when we talk about God, we're not talking about some sort of abstract, far-off, impersonal deity, but we're talking about um, being itself, reality itself, truth itself, wanting to associate with us like a parent. Like wanting to come near, draw near, relate to us as a, a parent relates to a child. But then this means then that we find ourselves in this place uh, as a, a child of this God, right? Which means that when we come to God, like we don't annoy God. <laughs> We're not seen as a hindrance to God. But God wants to lean in and hear what we have to say because we are a child of God. But then, there's others here who are also referring to God as Father, praying to God as our Father, which makes us siblings then, right? With a, with a common parent. And uh, this means then that like you and I, if we're praying to God as our Father, like we're not just like co-members in some sort of social club, but like we're siblings now, right? We're brothers, we're sisters, we're sibling, we're kin. And uh, that, that means some things, right? Uh, so I have four older brothers. Uh, I'm the youngest of five boys, which means that my mom should be like long into the process of becoming a saint within the church, right? Uh, and my four older brothers are great. Like I love them dearly. The world is a better, better place because they're here. Um, but to put it nicely, my brothers can be real knuckleheads sometimes. Um, I can't prove this because I'm not an older sibling, but I'm pretty sure when you get a younger brother, uh, like part of the job description is to make their life miserable from time to time, right? Um, so I'm 6'5", like I'm a larger than normal human being, but there are times in interactions with them that I feel like I'm like three foot tall. Like they do a really good job of like making my life miserable from time to time. And yet, um, they're my siblings. I love them. Like, and the way that we're going to deal with them being knuckleheads is different than I would anybody else. Anybody else, I could just write them off, but like, they're my siblings. Like I can't just do that. It doesn't mean that I don't have boundaries, right? Like, there's times where, like, I have to say, like, <laughs> please, I can't be three foot tall right now. Like, I need, to, I need to draw some boundaries here. But the way that I draw boundaries is even different with them than the way that I would draw boundaries with one another. And so, like, if we are praying to God collectively as our Father, that means that we're siblings, and the way that we deal with our stuff is different than we would with anybody else. Uh, so for the week ahead, uh, I want to offer uh, a practice to us. And much like last week, like you can't get more wisdom than the, the wisdom of the words of Jesus themselves. And so uh, I just want to invite us to, to camp out in this prayer uh, this next week. And specifically, like lean into this phrase of our Father. And uh, like be mindful of like what sorts of images or feelings or thoughts come to mind as we pray our Father. Don't, don't like shame yourself in any of that. Like just... Let yourself get curious and like ask, like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why, why does that come to mind? Uh, as I was thinking about it this past week, uh, my dad's face came to mind, uh, particularly that picture um, uh, that I showed earlier. And that was really good because, again, my dad was a good man, and uh, I knew he loved me, I knew that he was proud of me, and like, those are the sorts of like, things that I want to associate with praying our Father. But I also acknowledge like, it's complicated when my dad's face flashes because my dad was a complicated man and sometimes my dad was unpredictable or inconsistent. And so there, are time, there have been times in my life where like, uh, to associate that face with God um, leads me to think that God is inconsistent or unpredictable, right? And so like, uh, many of us can go a long time in our life without like, ever acknowledging the difficulty or the baggage that may be there. 
But if we don't name that, then that continues to just like bleed into that relationship and that understanding. And so there's something important about like acknowledging that. Because once I was able to acknowledge it, like I was able to like intentionally and deliberately and prayerfully like work through that. It's like, God, like when I picture you, I picture my dad and all of the goodness that is there. Like allow that to like continue to magnify. But I also picture all of like this complicated nature and that really needs some healing. So could you come in and like help me understand you without like that complicated nature of my dad? Uh, perhaps as you pray, uh, our father, uh, somebody else's face comes to mind, like somebody maybe in this room. And maybe that's a good thing because you're like, wow, I'm so glad they're in my life. I'm so glad they're my brother, my sister, my sibling, my kin. Like life is so much better because of them. But there's also a chance that face that comes to mind may make you think, that's the reason why I sit on the other side of the sanctuary from them, darn it. And then obviously there's some stuff to work through there, right? To consider, like, why do I feel this reaction to this person? Like, what stands in between us? Like, how can I better associate to them as a sibling? Again, that doesn't mean we erase all boundaries. That, like, boundaries are helpful in any sort of relationship. But it does mean that we, we deal with our stuff differently. And lastly, maybe as we sit with this, this phrase, our father, like, we reflect on this, the reality that like, we are a child of God. That in a world where there's so much competing for our identity, and uh, we're just so readily uh, uh, reminded of like, all of the ways that we fail to live up to all of these other identities, there's always somebody doing it bigger and better and more beautiful than us. We can be reminded that at the core of who we are is a child of God created in the image of God. And you can't do any better than divinity. Yeah. To pray our Father is to recognize our place within the family of God. And it's to recognize who we are and it's to recognize who one another are. Um, so let's lean into that this week. Let's pray this. Let's learn what it means to be the family of God. And hopefully uh, we can continue to lean into like, what it means to live then together as a family of God. Amen.